Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. All right, if you turn with your, me and your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14. Um, as I was preparing for this, I heard uh, another preacher tell a story of a woman named Megumi Yokota. Um, She was a Japanese girl who in 1977 was uh, abducted by the North Koreans and forced to be a translator for their intelligence agencies. Um, And she was never released. Um, I, I know that her family... Uh, fought for her. They petitioned the Japanese government. They petitioned governments to try to go in and rescue her. But no one ever has. And right now, I mean, the North Koreans claim, of course, can you believe what they say? But the North Koreans claim that uh, she died in captivity. Yet she may still be alive. And if she, if she is, uh, she would be 56 years old now. Um, this is a story where a government comes along and kidnaps one person and takes them captive. And they needed, she needed a rescuer. She needed someone to come and rescue her. She needed an Abraham. What we're going to see in this story tonight. She needed someone to do in this temporal realm, what Jesus has done for us. He came and rescued us. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 14. We're going to look at the whole chapter. And, and it's a little bit long. And, and as we go through it, you might be thinking, huh? <laughs> but I'm going to try... Uh, to, to try to, to clarify it, to try to help us to see what's there and see that it is a beautiful story. It is an amazing story of what uh, God did through Abraham for Lot. So, all right. Genesis chapter 14. In the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Ketaloamer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goyim, these kings made war with Bera, king of Sodom. Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. And all these joined forces in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they had served Ketaloamer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Ketaloamer and the kings who were with him came and defeated Rephaim in Ashtaroth Karnaim. You may be thankful I didn't have you read this. <laughs> the Zuzim in Ham, the Emim in Shavet Kiriatharim, and the Horites in their, in their hill country of Sair, as far as El Paran, on the border of the wilderness. 
Then they turned back and came to Enmishpat, that is, Kadesh, and defeated all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who were dwelling there in Hazazon Temar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adama, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is, Zoar, went out and they joined battle in the valley of Siddim with Ketiloamer, the king of Elam, Tidal, the king of Goyim, Ar- Am- Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Eleazar. Four kings against five. Now, the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits. And as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and their, and their provisions, and they went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions, and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and Aner. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. After his return from the defeat of Ketiloamer and the kings who were with him, the, kings of, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shavah, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram God, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And then, uh, and the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take the, a, a thread or the sandal strap of anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten, and the share of men who went with me. Let Enner, Eshkol, and Mamre be, take their share. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, help us, Lord, to understand this text. Help us, Lord, to see the glory that is there and how it shows us a picture of what Jesus would be like. And Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. 
And Father, give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We begin. We have been seeing the story that's kind of focused in on Abram, right? Uh, Since chapter 12, it had really been kind of focused in on Abram. We've got uh, the blessing that God gave to Abram. We have uh, this story of how he went down with Sarah into Egypt and um, Abram tried to pass off his wife Sarai as his sister, right? And then last week, we saw how Lot and Abram separated ways, and it's really been focused in on Abram and his life. But here at the beginning of the text we're looking at tonight, it kind of steps back, and as Moses is writing this, he's giving us a picture of what's going on in the broader world at the time. Um, and and it, it talks about these kings that go in and they're defeating these other lands, Right? And, and the kings that we're thinking of here are not like what we would think of leading great empires. They're more like warlords. They're, they're more like pirates than they are what we would think of as a, as a king today. And so there's these, these, this band of pirate kings, basically. Um, Amrel of Shinar. Now Shinar is what we would think of as like Mesopotamia, it's Babylon, it's that area there. That's what it develops into. So we've got these great powers of the world. The king of Shinar, which was really just a pirate. And we've got this other king, Arioch, and another Ketilomer, and all these weird names, okay? I'm going to admit it, they're weird names. And... The, these all are all going around the place and they're just, uh, uh, they are dominating everybody. They're dominating everybody. And, and they had come upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, which we've read about already. Okay? Uh, last week we read about, how, uh, we heard of how um, Lot went and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Okay? That's where, where we left off with Lot last time. He had pitched his tent towards Sodom. And it told us last week that the, that the, city, that the men of Sodom uh, were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. And, and, and Lot was one that was leaning in that direction. He was pit, uh, pitching his tent towards Sodom. Not a good picture. Not a good sign. Anyway... Sodom and Gomorrah were these two cities which we know about from later on within the book of Genesis because of the destruction that comes in chapter 19. Um, but these were two of the cities that were um, dominated by these five kings. And it says that they had, they had basically been put into positions where, they, set, where they, were, they were being bribed. They were being extorted. Saying, you pay tribute to us and we'll leave you alone. Right? And they were in a situation, these, these cities were in a situation where for 12 years, they were having to, you know, they could live on what they could sustain, sustain themselves with what they could live on, and then anything extra, they had to give over to these five kings. Okay? They, they were, it, was, it was a brutal situation. They were, they were being basically made into slaves. And after, at, uh, in the 13th year, it says Sodom... And Gomorrah 
rebelled against these five kings. Right? And so, what would these five kings do in the case that one of their, their cities, a couple of their cities decide they want to rebel and not have to pay tribute? They're going to make an example of them, right? They're, going to, they're not even just going to take it out on them, but they're going to take it out on the whole region to make sure that nobody tries that again, aren't they? Right? So, um, these five kings, then they start making a route. And they start up in the north, uh, up by where Damascus is. And I, we don't have a map or anything like that up on the wall. But they start up at Damascus, which is way, way up in the north. And they just start taking city by city by city all the way down the line. They, they, and they, they hit... Um, they defeat Rephaim and Zuzim and Emim and the Horites and the hill country and Elpenan all the way down until they're way, way down south. Okay? They're just dominating everybody. And then they circle back around and they come back up to the tip of the Dead Sea where Sodom and Gomorrah were. And, and they, they're getting ready to make war against it. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and Adama and the kings of Zeboam and the king of Bela. These are four, five kings against four kings. And remember, these are like pirate warlords. Uh, they, these five kings against four kings. The four kings come out to meet them before they get to their cities. And what happens? But they're getting beat so bad that they flee. Right? Um, and, and it tells us here in verse 10, Now the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits. There was full of these, I guess, tar pits. These tar pits were all around the place. And, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. They were cowards. And what is a king supposed to do? They're supposed to be the leader, right? They're supposed to be the leader, the one to stand up. They're the one that's supposed to charge into battle with his people. And these kings, instead of leading the way in battle, they fled. They fled. And, and what happened to them when they fled? They fell in the pits. And it says some of them fell into fell in, and the rest of um, and the rest of them went up into the hill country. So, in a way, Moses is saying this is what happens to cowards. If you run, you're going to fall into a pit. <laughs> you try to save your own life, you're going to lose it. I think somebody else said something like that, right? If you try to save your own life, you'll lose it. So, the kings, they flee, and these five kings, they come in to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they, they take all their, their um, possessions, they plunder it, they pillage it, just like pirates do, and they, they, uh, along with that, they take Lot. Lot, it tells us here, uh, it says, they, uh, they also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom. Well, we see the progression there, don't we? First, Lot was with Abram. Then, Lot separated from Abram and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And at the end, we see Lot is just there dwelling in Sodom. He's right there in the midst of a wicked place 
filled with wicked people. And so these five kings, they take not only the possessions, but they take Lot along with them, and something happens. Then one of them escaped. This fugitive escapes. He escaped and he went and told Abram the Hebrew. Remember, Moses is writing this at, uh, as before they cross into the promised land. Moses is writing this to, to fill in their history and to give them faith so that they know God, uh, how God works to save His people. And, and here it, it identifies Abram as a Hebrew. These were the Hebrew people, right? That, that God delivered out of, out of Egypt. And so as he says, uh, the, he, they came to Abram the Hebrew. I think it, it, it's saying they came to someone who identifies with them. One, then one of their ancestors. Who was living by the Oaks of Mamre. And the Oaks of Mamre, uh, the map that I looked at is way down in the south. Way down in the south of Israel. Um, now these there were Abram had allies along with him as well uh, he had uh, Mamre the Amorite um, Eshcol and Anna they were allies along with him um, and uh, it says when Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive he led forth his trained men born in his house 318 of them and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, we've got to remember another thing. Abram, what happened when he went down into Egypt? God began to, to bless him. He already started to, to fulfill the promise that he had made to him. God, God promised Abram, I'm going to bless you and bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. He goes down into Egypt and he comes back out with lots of possessions and lots of people following him, right? And now, here at the point where, where this fugitive came from, from uh, the battle and, and finds Abram, he's so that he's got 318 trained men who are part of the, the allegiance that are, that are with him, that are part of his household, basically. And that's just the trained men. Think about how many the wives that are there as well and the children that are there. Well, we could be talking about a thousand people or more that are all hanging there with Abram. Okay? And, and so these 318 men, they go with Abram because Abram, he decides he's going to go and rescue Lot. Now, if he's, the man, he, he, if he's the man in charge, right, of a great big household that possibly could have a thousand or more people in it, 318 trained men, soldiers, then he's probably a busy guy, Right? He's probably he's got a lot to do. Maybe he's got a lot of projects going on. Well, Abram doesn't say, well, you know, I'm too busy. I can't go get it. Abram doesn't say, well, I've got so many projects. I can't leave those. No. Abram, he finds out his nephew has been taken and he drops everything. And he takes his 318 men with him and they go all the way up in the north, which is where Dan is. So they travel a long distance. Where he was, was way down in the south. And Damascus is way, way up in the north. Dan is just before you get to Damascus. And 
And it says, these were the allies of uh, see. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. So he, he, attack, he, he, he strategically sets out a battle plan, right? He doesn't go in the middle of the day. He comes at night. He divides his forces against them and they come in and they, they make the enemy flee. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Here we have these five pirate kings who are going around demolishing every city they come to. Abraham here, Abram hears about it. He's got 318 men. Those other forces, those five kings, they probably had a lot more than Abraham did. Abram did. They probably had a lot more than that. And Abram, he comes with God's blessing. He, he comes at, at, under cover of night, divides his forces, and they run and they flee from him. Up as far as Damascus. Way, way. They, they, they run home, basically. In the meantime, he rescues Lot. Verse 16, then he brought back all the possessions and he brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. There was more than just Lot that he rescued. This is an amazing story, isn't it? Abram. He had a big household. But all these other, as I call them, pirate kings... They must have had. They were an amazing force, and nobody else could stand up to them. And these, there's five of them. And Abram goes up against him and beats him with just 318 men. Maybe you might be thinking of another story. Maybe you might think of another story from Judges. There's a story of a man named Gideon who was afraid because the Midianites were after God's people. And he was hiding. And God came to him and said, You valiant warrior! Well, he's hiding. That's irony. And Gideon is called to go and rescue God's people. He's got 20,000 men. It's too many. Whittles them down, whittles them down. Got 300 men. That's not very far from how many Abram had. And they go. And they defeat the Midianites in battle. They chase them off running. And something that happens with Gideon is after his victory, he's given tribute. He's given treasures and he makes uh, this golden ephod. Remember that. Verse 17. After his return from his defeat of Ketilomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Seba, Sheba, that is, the king's valley. So first we have the king of Sodom comes out to meet him. And somebody else is there. And Melchizedek, king of Salem. 
brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. This is one of, one of only a few places in the Bible we read about this Melchizedek. Some have said that Melchizedek is like a, a, um, uh, uh, the pre-incarnate Christ. I, I, don't, I don't take that view. Um, but what I do believe is he, he was a worshiper of the true God alongside Abram in those times. That he, he was a priest of the true Most High God during those times. It says um, he was king of Salem. And, and scholars would agree that Salem is what was later to be known as Jerusalem. So this Melchizedek, which the name means Melech is the beginning of the name. It means king. And Sadiq means righteousness. So put them together and it's the king of righteousness or king of Salem brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine should be familiar to us as well. Right? We think the Lord's Supper is significant. Uh, but at Moses' time, Moses, had, had, he was the one writing this down and, and he was the one who was there who saw the Passover, the first Passover when they made their unleavened bread and had wine to remember that the Lord was delivering them from slavery. So Melchizedek brings out bread and wine, tells us he was a priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him. What's the first thing Melchizedek does? He blesses Abram, and he says... Blessed be Abram, by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. We don't know anything about Melchizedek. We know that he was king of righteousness. He was king of Salem. He comes onto the scene and he blesses Abram and he blesses the Lord Most High. And then... It tells us Abram gave him a tenth of everything. He gave him a tithe. It was an act of worship. It wasn't for the sake of worshiping Melchizedek. It was because he was a priest of the same God that he was worshiping. And verse 21, And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but you take the goods for yourself. Think of the contrast there. What is... Melchizedek say first. Blessed be God. What does the king of Sodom say? Gimme. Right? Gimme the persons. Gimme what I want. You take the you take the rest. You know. And Abraham responds. Abram responds. But Abram said to the king of Sodom. I've lifted up my hand to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. A couple of things here. First of all, what does Abram call the Lord? He says, God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. The same words 
that Melchizedek was using, right? Same words Melchizedek was using. So uh, here, um, I think we should take it that Melchizedek and Abram, they both were worshipers of the same God. They were both worshipers of the true one and only God. And, and he says, I've lifted up my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I wouldn't take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I've made Abram rich. A couple of things here. One, Abram trusts in God's promise. Abram was promised by God. God says, I'm going to bless you. And it's God that makes Abram rich. And he doesn't want anybody to think, well, Abram's just rich because he rescued this king of Sodom guy. Right? He, he doesn't want anybody to say that he's made Abram rich. No, he wants everyone to know that God is the one that has blessed Abram. Right? And then, also, he doesn't want to have anything to do with the king of Sodom. He doesn't want to have anything to do with him. We see this contrast here between Abram and Lot. Lot was with Abram under the blessing of Abram, but he strayed from it and he ended up pitching his tent towards Sodom until he was dwelling in Sodom. Abram, he doesn't want to have anything to do with, Abram, with Sod, the, the king of Sodom. He doesn't want to associate with the king of Sodom. Then, verse 24. Um, it says, I'll take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of men who went with me. Let Enner, Eshkol, and Mamre take their share. These other guys, they can have it. But for me, I'm not going to associate with the king of Sodom. So here's a couple of... Um, Things we can see here. Abram, under God's blessing, not in his own power, but because he had the blessing of God. I mean, just like Gideon, Gideon couldn't have gone out and defeated the Midianites with those 300 men if it wasn't for God. And Abram couldn't do this, couldn't do this either if it wasn't for God blessing him. Abram went out and defeated these five kings because God's blessing was upon him. But it foreshadows something greater. We are in captivity. We are born into captivity to sin and destruction. We are born dead in our sins and we need someone to come and rescue us. Just like Lot needed Abram to come and rescue him. Our rescuer has come. Amen? Our rescuer has come. Jesus, the one who was the seed of the woman who was foretold to Adam and Eve in the garden. The one who was the seed of the woman, the descendant of Eve, who would one day come and crush the serpent's head is our rescuer. He came and He delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us into His kingdom of light. He has delivered us. He has rescued us. He is our rescuer. 
Uh, there's a song that's kind of contemporary that talks about he's our rescuer. I love the song. I don't think it would be appropriate for us to sing. <laughs> Jesus is our rescuer. It's like that song that we sang. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I, right? He rescued us. When we see this story of Abram, we need to see that. What Abram was doing was prefiguring what Jesus would one day do for us. He didn't say, Jesus didn't say, oh, I've got something better to do. Jesus didn't say, well, they got themselves into this mess by themselves. Let them get themselves out. No, He came for us. Our rescuer. And another thing that we can see from this text is Abram would not have anything to do with the people, with the king of Sodom. And in our culture... There is much pressure to conform to the world. There is much pressure to go along and get along with the agenda that is very against God. Let's not have anything to do with that. Let's not benefit from it. Let's not associate it with it. Just like Abram wouldn't have anything to do with the king of Sodom. Have you been rescued? Have you trusted in Christ? Or are you still sinking deep in sin? Do you need to be rescued? Look to Jesus. If you are without Him, He is there with open arms, ready to to receive you. Come to Him. Look to Him. Trust in Him. And He is ready and willing to save. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.